heard of Bernard Lawrence Madoff? Anybody ever heard of Bernie Madoff before? Raise your hand if you have. A couple of you, most of us have, yeah. He was a very, very successful New York businessman, uh, investment planner. Uh, He was in Manhattan. He had a home in Manhattan. also had a home in Roslyn, New York, another one in Palm Beach, another one in France, and uh, he had a pretty expensive yacht as well. Very, very, very successful. Two sons, wife, um, known as one of the you know, great investors of uh, New York City and really of America, super, super successful. If you know his story, in 2009, he was convicted of the largest financial fraud in the history of the United States. Um, he, uh, there was about $65 billion missing from the accounts in which he had uh, promised people. So he pulled off one of the greatest Ponzi schemes in the history of the human race, and, uh, you know, went to jail for it. He got a jail sentence of 150 years. It's a pretty long time. And, uh, you know, he's in jail currently. And, uh, you know, the thing that I, I just, I was like fascinated by his life over the last couple of weeks. I don't even know why, but I was studying his life and just reading about him and learning about him and thinking about this guy. And I'm serious, learning and reading in front of my computer, my eyes started to just fill with tears. Like I was so deeply moved by this guy's story. And most people say, yeah, he's a snake. You know, sure, he's a snake. But you know what? You're a snake, too. Not me, man. I'm not. I never embezzled sixty five billion dollars. No, you didn't. But you know what I saw in him as I began to study his life? I saw me. I saw the issues and the junk that everybody in this world deals with. And I saw how this guy literally for decades lived this life that was a scam. He tricked his family, he tricked his business partners, he tricked his friends, he tricked everybody around him with this deceptive scheme that he had been living for years and years and years. And you know what, if in 2008 you met Bernie Madoff, he was doing the same things, but everybody would have said, he's a good guy, he's a good guy. And you know, the truth is, there's plenty of guys just like that who never get convicted and never get caught. I found this quote from his wife, and this is what rocked me, check this out, she said this, his wife Ruth, wife of, I don't know, you know, 30 years or whatever. I'm embarrassed and ashamed. Like everyone else, I feel betrayed and confused. The man who committed this horrible fraud is not the man whom I have known for all these years. Man, I just read that and I thought, you don't even know your husband. A husband doesn't even know his wife. What a crazy, crazy thing. His older son committed suicide two years after his father was convicted. His younger son just did a big interview with 60 Minutes where he called... uh, he said that his father used him as a human shield, that people, he would bring people up to his uh, part of the business because his sons worked for him, and uh, they would see actual deals going on, and then he would bring them to the next floor below and you know, uh, do these other deals that were not legal. And uh, he said this about his dad, which, again, just blew me away. He said, it's, I, for, to hear a son say this to a father just kills me. I have two sons, and I can't even imagine hearing one of my kids say this to me. He says, it's unforgivable. No father should do that to their sons. Unforgivable? Unforgivable? Like, you've, like you're, you're cut off, Dad. I, you are unforgivable. And I imagine, my, you know, to myself, you know, he had this yacht. He had this place in France. He had the, the, the high, 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 high life. What is he feeling like right now? I don't know. I don't know what Bernie Madoff is feeling like right now. But I imagine that there is this overwhelming, intense wave of guilt and shame that dominates his life. 
And you know what my concern is? That for a lot of us, that's exactly what's happening on the inside of us when we approach God. When we approach God. And you know, integrity. I was, uh, years ago I read this book called The Leadership Challenge. And they studied thousands of different businesses and they interviewed employees. And what they found was, they found that uh, the key number one, above all, characteristic that employees want in their employer is honesty. Honesty above everything else. Honesty above entrepreneurial you know, vision. Honesty above passion. Honesty above talent. Honesty above everything else. They wanted honesty. And, you know, it's like that little piece that's missing. And what we're going to try to do today is define first integrity. What is it? And we've looked over the last couple of weeks at humility and then at our words, right? You guys remember that? If you didn't, you can go on iTunes and, and snag it. But what we're trying to do with this When Character is King series is we're trying to lay a foundation that we can build everything else on. Because if you have faulty, flaky character, there is nothing. It doesn't matter how talented, gifted, anointed, powerful, how good you know the Bible or anything else. If your character doesn't have the substance of Christ, if you don't understand what that means and what it looks like, and if you're not developing it and accountable to it, then we're building nothing. We're a gathering. We're just a big group. That's a waste of time, in my opinion. So what is integrity? You know, like, I, you know, you look it up in the dictionary. You know, if we did a little poll here and said, what is integrity? Probably we'd all have sort of different definitions, right? But kind of around the same idea. You know, you do what you say. You have strong morals. You know, you're honest. But there's more than that. There's something more than that. I remember as a kid that, uh, you know, I, was, I had a painting company, 17, 18 years old painting company. And uh, one day I was just, you know, bored out of my mind. So I got... Um, Billy Graham's autobiography on tapes. This is when tapes still existed, for those of you that are under 21. There's these things called tapes. And, uh, and you put them in this machine and it like makes it, I still don't know really how they work. It's all a mystery to me. But, but uh, you know, we, I put it all in tapes, right? Tape after tape. Now, this biography, you ever seen it? It's like, just as I am. Gosh, you got a lot to you. It's like, boom, you know, it's huge. And, uh, and so I listened to the entire thing on tape. And I remember painting houses and listening to this thing and just constantly being like, man, this guy had an inner compass. He had an inner compass that would just, in the face of so much pressure, would consistently do what was right. And it blew me away. And I was thinking, you know, about this idea as I'm studying integrity, like, man, this is, there's something about Billy Graham. There's something about certain people that you see them and you just say, man, they've got something. And, you know, I've got this burning passion. And I've been around church since I was a teenager. I gave my life to Jesus, and I've been a part of a bunch of different churches and church plants and all these things. And this is our first church launch. It won't be our last, by the way. We'll be planting churches, I believe, in Jesus' name. But anyways, you know, I'm planting this church right now and a part of this team. And I'm asking myself, you know, what does it look like? And my heart just aches for people, you and me, to be people with this thing inside of us called integrity. To be people with this substance in us. Is it in you? Are you a person that has integrity? Do you have significant integrity when you're at the job site? Maybe you're working construction or maybe you're out on the road a lot and people are, you know, swearing. Do you find yourself just kind of like jumping right in the game and just kind of going along with them? When you feel like you can make an extra buck if you're just not quite completely forthcoming. You don't even have to lie. You just have to not say something. Do you go, you know what, man, it's not, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Do you leave early? Students, do you just rip it off the Internet and put your name on it? What's going on in your life? Where are your levels of integrity? Because it's in those secret places where you discover if you have an inner compass or not. So let's first define what integrity is, and then let's figure out how to develop it. Does this sound like fun? Turn to the person next to you and say, this sounds like a lot of fun to me. Okay, good. Go to Proverbs chapter 10. If you have a Bible, if not, it's going to be on the screen. Proverbs chapter 10. First thing I did is I began to study this topic as I looked up every single place in the Old Testament that it says integrity. 
Every time this word is used, and I particularly like this one, I'm going to read it to you today. It says this, whoever walks in, everybody say it with me, integrity. That was terrible. Let's try it again. It'll be more fun. Whoever walks in, that was much better. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, right? But he who makes his way crooked will be found out. And I started looking at this word integrity. What is integrity? And integrity carries this idea. Throughout the Old Testament, that word is connected to the word heart. So it will often say the integrity of my heart. The integrity of my heart, the integrity within my heart. I was faithful to the integrity of my heart. So this idea, just like we found with our mouth and our heart, and just like we found when when we see humility is seeing God over us and seeing God in us, as we began to realize that all of these character issues always go back to a heart issue. Right. And so it says, you know, that whoever walks in integrity walks securely. In other words, you're not going to fall. You walk confident. You walk safely. There's no crookedness in your path. And as I studied this word and I looked it up a whole bunch of different times in different places, what I realized is that integrity is speaking about wholeness of the heart. So here's my definition of integrity. Integrity is a heart that is whole. Integrity is a heart that is whole. Integrity is a heart that is whole. And I want to help you see this. It helps me visually. I'm kind of a visual guy. Is anybody else a little bit visual in their, in their thinking? So I want to show this to you today. And I sacrificed a nice shirt to do it. So you have to just uh, roll with me here. But integrity is a heart that is whole. So just imagine for a second that this shirt represents your heart, right? It represents your heart. And so this shirt is obviously missing a few key components, isn't it? I mean, there's a piece here that's gone. There's another piece here that's gone. And what happens to us is we actually take our heart and we sell pieces of it. And we say, you know what, man, it's not that big of a deal if I compromise here. And I know that the scripture has all these rules about sexuality and purity, but you know what, man, it's a different culture now, and I'm going to take off a little bit here. And you know, I know that the scripture has all these things about honesty and being forthcoming, but you know what, it's not like anybody will even know. I'm going to take off a little bit more back here. And before we know it, we have this heart that's got all these missing pieces in it, and you have lost the integrity of the shirt, right? It's not whole anymore. It's not whole anymore. There's this song by the band Switchfoot. Anybody ever heard of the band Switchfoot? Most of us have probably. Okay. He says this line, and I was thinking about it all week. He says, they're selling shares of me again, but I'm not buying it. Brilliant line. They're selling shares of me. You know, like there's an entire culture that is trying to buy shares of you. And you have an opportunity to either keep that heart whole or to give up pieces of your heart. And then in in the same regard, lose your integrity. Just falls apart. Right? integrity. So how do we develop it? Let's get into this. Okay. Does this sound like fun? So this is what integrity is. Integrity is a heart that is whole, a heart that isn't missing pieces, a heart that hasn't sold out to other motives or intentions. Go to second Corinthians chapter four. I'm going to hang out for the rest of this talk in these two verses. Okay. Actually, that's not true. I'm going to share one other verse, but we're going to hang out primarily in these two verses. And I want you to read them with me. You can look on the screen or you can just um, but, uh, look at your Bible. But either way, be reading these with me. I want you to, your eyes to see these words. Therefore, okay, stop. Stop. It says, therefore. You see this? Uh, first, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Sorry if I didn't say the whole thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore. Well, therefore what? 
What happened before therefore? Before therefore, he talks about how Moses in the Bible had an incredible glory on his life. Look at me for a second. He had this incredible glory on his life, right? And he would, everywhere he would go, the power of God would go with him. And he would so, it was so intense that his face would shine like the sun. That's what it says in the scripture. It's crazy. And so what he says is, you know what? That was cool for Moses, but the new covenant that we have actually has a greater glory. And we're going to study that probably when we get into this whole idea of the Holy Spirit. But what he's saying is, he's saying, listen, the glory that Moses had is not even close to the glory that we have. You can read 2 Corinthians 3 on your own. And then he says, you got to realize that we have this incredible glory. And then he says, and we all with unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And that's what transforms us into his image. This is what it says at the end of 2 Corinthians 3. Therefore, now let's check it out. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, this is like so packed, this, this passage. We do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with god's word but by the open statement of the truth we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of god i want you to try this idea out for a little while how do we grow integrity the secret of integrity if you're writing things down write this down because you're going to want to meditate on this throughout the week the secret of integrity is to garden your heart with god The secret of integrity is to garden your heart with God. The secret of integrity is to garden your heart with God. Let's try to unpack this statement a little bit because I believe that Jesus wants to make us into people of integrity. I want to start with the end of it, with God. Okay? Skip down to verse 6 if you have a Bible. I want to read verse 6 here in 2 Corinthians 4. It says this, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Stop right there. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, it is so useless to talk about any of this right now if you don't do that verse in our lives. God, you've got to shine in our hearts right now. This isn't about self-examination. This isn't about self-development. This is about you, Jesus. We pause. Holy Spirit, shine the light of Christ in our hearts right now. God, as I'm talking, God, I don't want these to be words. I want them to be life. Let's read that verse again. Let light, the, the, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is huge, okay? Integrity. If you want to develop integrity... The secret is to guard in your heart with God, right? Now, this with God is huge because what happens is we think, man, i got to develop my integrity. So I'm going to go home and I'm going to make a big list of all the stupid things I did. And then all day, every day, I'm going to start to think through what are the selfish things I did? What are the lustful things I did? What are the proud things I did? Let's make a big list. And we make a big list and we think that our own self-discipline and effort will develop integrity wrong wrong you know what that will bring you into it will bring you into a cloud of condemnation and shame it will bring you into guilt it will bring you into a constant feeling as that you've not done enough to honor god or to be with god that is the wrong way to develop integrity the right way to develop integrity is to garden with god but really he's the gardener and you're just there for the ride that's how it goes so what happens is the lord you gaze upon him it starts with him this is why worship is so critical it starts gazing upon his truth his life and his face and you begin to see the lord and then guess what the lord will do he will reveal to you the wicked things in your soul and then you have a choice you can say oh i don't think about that and you can try to get past you know just remove it 
Or you can say, I'm going to get rid of that for you, God. I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to take care of that. Also the wrong answer. Or you can say, Lord, let's pull that thing out. Let's pull that weed out together. And the Holy Spirit will begin to pull that thing out of your heart and begin to garden your heart. Do we have any gardeners here? Anybody that likes to garden? One person. One person. So, uh, yeah, not too many people. You know, I'm not a gardener, okay? So uh, I don't know a whole lot about gardening, but I have a close friend who's possibly in this room, okay, whose name I will not mention. But a few years ago, he got into gardening. And, uh, you know, he had this little garden and, uh, you know, it was great. I mean, it was really cool. He was growing, like, you know, cucumbers and tomatoes. And it was really nice. It was a very, very nice garden. But, um, I don't know, he had a busy year. He had a busy year. And uh, things got busy. Things got busy. And uh, they got busy. And he didn't really stay on the garden. So I snuck over and took a picture of his garden today. It's good looking, huh? Nothing in that garden is edible, by the way. Nothing. Those things in the garden are demonic. They're not even, I don't know what they are, but they're not edible at all, right? And what happened is all you have to do to not, keep that picture up there so we can all gaze upon the glory of it. All you have to do to not have integrity is not garden with God. Are you following with me today? All you have to do is just nothing. And you will naturally be wicked. You will naturally have a propensity to do things that are against integrity. But if you desire to have a heart that is whole, what you've got to do is garden with him. And this is so critical because I don't want you to walk out of this and say, this week I'm going to really, I'm going to be in God. You, I'm going to do it for you, God. I'm going to be integrous for you. Wrong. You're going to fail. What you've got to do is you've got to come with the Lord and you've got to say, Lord, and he's going to say, that's a weed. Now, here's the thing about weeds. I'm not, like I said, a gardener, but I have some revelation about gardening. They are not secret agents, right? They poke their head up, you see them, and you go, that's a weed. And then you pull it out, right? Or you leave it. But it's not like, let's dig 50 feet down and see if there's any weeds. You don't have to do that. And so what I'm saying is you don't have to have these intense examination heart things. All you have to do is keep your eyes centered on Christ, and he will begin to illuminate. He will shine in your heart and begin to show you, I believe today in Jesus' name. He's, but through my words and through the Spirit, he's going to begin to show you the weeds in your garden that you and him have to pull out. Are you all following this so far? And so this is what we're going to get into. So now, okay, we know that it starts with God. And then what do we do? It starts with God, and then thank you, Jesus, there's a roadmap here right in 2 Corinthians. So let's look at it together, right? Therefore, let's go back to this verse, verse 2. But we have renounced. This word renounce, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. It means to speak out, to give up, to expose, or to turn from. We have renounced. We've turned away from these things. He's about to tell you what we've renounced. But you have to understand that renouncing is a critical step in developing a heart of integrity. So first you garden with God. You allow him to illuminate. And what's going to happen is your conscience, we're going to talk about this in a second, is going to be pricked. And then you have an opportunity to either accept it, ignore it, or renounce it. And if you will renounce it, what this means is you acknowledge it and say, but that's not who I am. You renounce it. So we are going to develop, check this out, a community within city church here of people who are quick to confess their sins. That's what we're going to do. You know, with our staff, I've tried to model this for the last few years. And, uh, and I don't think there's a single staff member, doesn't matter how long or how short you've been on our staff, that I have not, you know, repented to. I mean, I, because I mess up. I, I say, hey, go get that from me. Oh, I'm a loser. 
hey, uh, I'm really sorry I was really mean to you right there. And you know what, though? What I've developed is a culture that is quick to confess when we're wrong. Why are you going to walk around all day and say, I don't need to say that. It's not that big of a deal. If you're wrestling inside, you need to say something. Okay? So when you do something wrong, you don't think about it for two years. You don't hold on to it for two weeks. You don't say a month later, hey, remember that time back in the day? No, you just go to your friend. You say, hey, bro, I was just really short with you, and I'm sorry. Hey, you need to know that I was just being selfish there, and it's wrong, and I'm sorry. And you begin to quickly confess. You know what that does? It starts to develop this synergistic culture that says, wow, hey, you know what? I was, I was actually being selfish too. You know what? Let's just, we both renounce this behavior. We're sorry. Let's move on. Let's just keep going. You know, I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and I have repented to both of them on so many occasions. Son, I was just, you know, I was just ignoring you, and you need to know that your dad is really sorry. And you know what? I think that's healthy for their soul to realize that dad is not this perfect high and lofty one, but I'm one that has to renounce things and repent to them as well. Is there somebody in your life right now that you've been just dodging because you know you have to admit something you've done wrong? Stop. Renounce. But what are we renouncing? Let's get into the actual scripture here. So we renounce. These are the, some of the most packed Greek words. I could talk about this all day, which I will try to limit myself. But here we go. We have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We've renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. Check this out. The Greek word used there. Some translations will say secret ways, right? Because the Greek word used there is the word kryptos. Now, guess what we get from the word kryptos? Kryptonite. No, not kryptonite. No, that is not what we get, right? What we get from the word kryptos is the word crypt, right? Like tales from the crypt, like this little basement where there's all these dead bodies with a freaky guy with crazy hair, right? I mean, like this is what the word comes from. So he's saying we renounce, yes, disgraceful, underhanded ways, but it's a secretive thing. It's a crypt. What he's telling you is every one of us deep down inside of us has a crypt and every one of us deep down inside of us have certain things that have been hanging out in this layer of death in the inside of us. And I don't know what they are in your life, but I can guarantee you that you have them. And what the scripture is saying is that the first step to it, to integrity is first to gaze upon Jesus. It's always going to be him that gardens my heart. He's going to expose these things to me. But then as he exposes them, I've got to renounce, be quick to confess and turn away from from underhanded secret sins, secret problems, secret historical things that have happened in my life. Maybe you lost your virginity when you were really young. You don't have to tell everyone you know that, okay? But you need to tell an accountability partner that. You need to talk with them about the fact, you know, I was 11 years old, man, and I, I uh, you know, I, I slept with a girl and you know, changed my life. It, it, it shifted the course of my life. It brought me on a course that I didn't want to be on. I personally did not, but I'm just saying, if that was you, you need to deal with that. You need to deal with that. And listen, this is the way this works. Confess your sins one to another. This is why community groups, let me get a little plug in for community groups. If you're not in community groups, you need to be in community groups because in community groups, what you find is community. And in community, what you find is another brother if you're a man or another sister if you're a girl that you can actually be honest about these issues with and begin to walk through them and renounce the crypt that's inside of you. Renounce the secret things. Are you following me today? You've all got them. I've got them. And I've been renouncing them to my brothers for the last few years. You know what develops? A heart that's whole. A heart that's whole. That's what integrity is. Develops a heart that is whole. Maybe you had an abortion years ago. Maybe you were raped. People don't know. People don't know. And it's this secret thing. Maybe you've been deceiving your parents for years. Maybe you've been deceiving your boss. Maybe you're addicted to something. 
Maybe you're addicted to some type of drug. Maybe you're addicted to gambling. Maybe you're addicted to pornography. Maybe there's an addiction that's in your crypt down there, in this secret part of your crypt. And you're saying, man, Justin, I want to be integrity. Let me be honest with you. You're playing a game with yourself and with God until you're ready to renounce those secret things. Because integrity can't develop on a faulty foundation. You following me today? That's what I'm telling you is that Jesus has already showed us the roadmap for how to develop this. And he's first saying gaze into the heart of God, gaze into the eyes of the Father, and then begin to renounce these secret underhanded ways. Throw them off. Maybe there's unforgiveness towards your parents. You've got whatever's in your chasm down there, you've got to rip it out. You've got to get rid of it. Come on, somebody say amen. We're excited about that. That's awesome. Yeah. Woo! Yes, renounce these underhanded ways, right? And then he says this. Check this out. Look at the verse again. We refuse to practice cunning. Cunning. We refuse to practice cunning. So I started digging into the Greek word. This word cunning, right? What does it mean? It basically means that you've become a master of working the intellectual angles to get your way. Does that apply to anybody here? Smart people? Stupid people, it could apply to you too. But what we've gotten good at, I had a friend right back in the day that uh, was just, a, he was a total pool shark, right? And we'd show up at the pool hall and be like, oh yeah, I'm not that good. Boom, 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 you know, like off every single, you know, side. It's like, dude, how did you just do that? And he knows how to work the angles. And some of us are pool sharks intellectually. And what you do is you get into a conversation with someone and you literally just, maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your husband. And you just intellectually overpower them. It's not that you, you know, yell at them. It's that you just intellectually just ju 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 until they just go, okay, fine, yeah. We refuse to practice cunning. Maybe you know that if you say it a certain way, a certain, you know, way of saying it, and you leave a couple of things out, you know that you could just get what you need. And what we're saying is, no, if you want to develop integrity, I have got to refuse this practice. I refuse to practice cunning. On any level, I am not going to work the angles or intellectually overpower someone for my own benefit. I will not do it. I refuse to do it. You following me? Or tamper with God's word. Another crazy Greek word. All these crazy Greek words today. This word tamper, check this out. It actually means bait. It means what you put on a hook. It means that you take something really nice and you put it on a hook. And when somebody looks at it, they think it's one thing. But when they bite into it, it's actually something else. And that's exactly what many preachers and many people do with God's word. They use it for their advantage. And they take parts of it and they don't take other parts of it. And they massage it and turn it and change it and transform it. And what he's saying is if you ever want to develop integrity, this is not the road to do it. I must refuse to tamper with God's word, but instead, let's follow the scripture here. So we refuse to practice cunning or tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Stay with me. We commend ourselves to everyone's conscience. So we just talked about what we have to pull out, right? We have to pull out the secret crypt, those weeds, those weeds in the crypt of my heart, those weeds that are secretive on the inside. I've got to yank those things out, the cunning, the intellectually overpowering. I've got to pull that out, tampering with God's word, picking and choosing what I like. I've got to pull that out. I've got to pull all this out. Those are the weeds, but now we've got to plant some seeds, right? We've got to plant some seeds in this garden if it's going to grow. And so let's look at what we're supposed to actually plant. He says the first thing is an open statement of the truth, right? Look at that. If you're taking notes, go ahead and underline that in your Bible or just look at it or write it down on your piece of paper. An open statement of the truth. What does that mean? It means that you're laying the truth out on the table and it is what it is. 
and you subject yourself to the truth of Scripture. Now, this takes an act of faith. You know, for years, I'll be honest, for years I studied the historical roots and Josephus and all these different, you know, angles of looking at the Scripture. I said, I don't know if I can trust this Bible. And, you know, what it, and, and all that is valid if you're in that place. I encourage you, study it out. But you must come to a point where you are either going to say, I subject myself to this truth and I believe, or I don't. And if you're going to believe, I can guarantee you, as soon as you open it, it does not work in your life if you're going to try to pick and choose from the Scripture. But when you open the truth and you submit yourself to it, and you say, God, you're smarter than me. You're smarter than me. What does it say? An open statement of the truth. I'm laying it on the table right now. And then he says we commend ourselves. And this literally means we stand next to I, uh, I think I'll illustrate this with a couple of volunteers. I need two volunteers. Come on, Caleb. You just volunteer yourself. Thank you. Give him a hand. Yeah, you're laughing at him. You can come up too. Come on. Come on. Come on. Give these guys a hand. Just climb right up. You guys can climb up that, right? You're going to look awkward and climb up in front of everybody. Don't look at them for a second. They have to awkwardly climb up that thing. Come on. Give these guys a better hand than that. That was terrible. Stand over here like pillars, men. One pillar and another pillar. Bam. Bam. Dang, man, come on, what are you doing? All right, so, so we have these two pillars, right? And this is what the scripture's saying. Follow with me here. We commend ourselves, an open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. He's giving you three key ingredients to develop integrity. The first is, you've got to have an open statement of the truth, right? So... That'll be me. <laughs> That'll be me. I'll be the truth. And uh, so, you know, you get an open statement of the truth, right? And then we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience. You can go ahead and hold that. So the first thing he does is he's saying, we stand next to you. That's what commend ourselves mean. He's saying, listen, we just get the truth and we stand next to your conscience. How does that feel, conscience? How does that feel, conscience? The truth, uh, it's hot. Uh, I don't like it, right? Because we feel the truth and it's like, oh boy, that annoys, ah, oh, I don't like that. And it begins to appeal to your conscience, say, And the truth starts to speak to you through your conscience. But then he adds one more thing just to hammer you, right? And the Latin is this word, coram dio. Coram dio. I don't want to mess it up. I want to look at actually what it, it means before the face of God. And it's not just the truth and your conscience. It's also, oh, hey, by the way, he's looking at you right now. I know nobody else is. He is. You're before the face of God right now. And when these three truths just stand together, that's what it means to commend ourselves. We're standing together. We stand here together. When truth and when my conscience and when the word or the face of God, quorum Dio, the face of God before God, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God, right? Critical. In the sight of God. And as those three things stand together, as you stand together with truth and with your conscience and in the sight of God, you know what's going to happen? You're going to begin to develop integrity. You're going to see the weeds. You're going to pull them out. And you're going to begin to plant the good soil, the good seeds of integrity that start to develop in your heart. The secret to integrity is to garden your heart with God. And as we stand these three pillars together, God will begin to develop in you that substance of integrity. Good job, guys. You can sit down. Well done. Give them a hand. Come on. So if you're a mathematician, do we have any math people in the room? Come on, math people. Okay, good, good, good. I'm going to give you a little equation, okay? And it's the open truth plus the conscience plus the eyes of God develops growth and integrity. That's what happens. The open truth plus your conscience plus 
the eyes of God, actually develops in you integrity. If you begin to do these things in your own spirit, in your own heart, what will happen is your heart will become whole. The issues of your heart that have been pockets of deception or these pockets of, you know, where it hasn't been real, they'll begin to become whole. And check this out. Check this out. Blessed, happy, favored are the pure in heart, says Matthew. Right? Jesus said it in Matthew 5. Blessed are the pure in heart. That's what happens when you have integrity. When you're pure in heart, when it's whole, when it's complete. Blessed are the integrous. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. Why? They can see him. They can see God. They can see what he's doing. Friends, we can't develop a culture of authentic Christian living if there's not an integrity foundation at the bottom. Because you won't be able to see God. You'll be doing your own thing and you'll never see what's actually happening in the spirit. Blessed are the pure in heart because they get to see God. You know what would happen? What would happen if lawyers, ooh, not lawyers, if lawyers ran their law firms this way in this room? If the lawyers or the soon-to-be lawyers, what would happen if the doctors or the soon-to-be doctors practiced medicine this way and didn't sell out to the pharmaceutical company and give that drug that you know you don't have to give, but you know it's going to have a kickback for you? What if teachers taught this way? What if dads and moms dealt with their kids this way? What if scientists and businessmen, what if the arts and entertainment, what if media, what if government had integrity? I'm telling you, integrity, biblical, substantive integrity has to develop this way with the eyes of the Lord on me. And then he begins to pull out the weeds and begins to plant the seeds that actually develop a life that is integrous. If the band wants to come up, we're going to finish with a song. I don't want you to unplug here, okay? I don't want you to unplug here because it was really on my heart to end with worship, but not just to end with worship like, oh yeah, it's good to end with a song. It was actually really on my heart to end with worship because we're going to do the first thing in integrity, in the process of integrity. We're going to behold the Lord right now. And what I don't want you to do is go, oh, that's a cool keyboard part. Or I like those banners. I like the banners too. I like those banners. You know, I don't want you thinking about anything else right now. It's not relevant. What I want you to be doing right now, what I challenge you and urge you and compel you to be doing right now is instead just behold the Lord. And I want you to start to ask him something. Say, God, where are the parts of my heart? Where are the sections of my heart that I've been selling shares? Where's the sections of my heart that I've been selling out? God, where are the parts and the aspects of who I am where I've compromised and where I haven't been a person of integrity? Lord, I don't need to find them. This is an amazing thing about God. He's pretty good at leading you into all truth. This is the job of the Holy Spirit, okay? So you don't need to find them. He will find them. So now all you have to do is open your soul to the Lord and say, Father, as I worship you, would you unveil to me the secrets of my heart, the things that I've kept in that crypt, maybe you've got in that death chamber down underneath some physical abuse that you suffered that no one knows about, that's been this deep secret that has been literally keeping you. You wonder, man, why do I struggle with this sin? Why do I battle with this? Because, friend, you've got to renounce that thing. And renounce means to openly say, I'm done with it. I'm gone with it. And again, you don't have to get on a stage and say, hey, everybody, I was this and I was... You don't have to do that necessarily. But you do need to speak it to someone that you trust in community. I don't know what's in your secret crypt. Make a covenant with God today to let it out. Come, Holy Spirit.
You know what I want today? I want us to encounter his presence. That's what I want. I want us to encounter his presence today. Holy Spirit, would you come? Listen, integrity begins by seeing the face of God. By seeing him and realizing, you know what, this area, and then I renounce it. I refuse to practice cunning. I refuse to practice cunning. That's for somebody today in Jesus' name. Or to tamper with God's word, that's for somebody today. But with an open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Quorum Dio, in the face of God.